Welcome to Sci-Fi Tech Talk, the podcast where we explore the technology of sci-fi. I'm Mike McPeak, and with me today is Julie Keel. Hello. And Jeff Sire is off traversing the North American continent, as far as I can tell. I'm not entirely sure where he's at, but he'll be back in, what, about a month, I guess? Yeah, at least. Almost uh, more than October. Okay, so... So it'll just be the two of us, and you know whatever else we can dis, uh, you know arrange along the way for the you know next four or five weeks or something along that line. So uh, just bear with us, and you know Jeff will be back eventually. So don't freak out, people. Follow him on Twitter to keep up with where he's at, which he doesn't do very well at, mind you. But you know he's riding a motorcycle. What's he supposed to do? Yeah, pay attention to the road, not yeah. to not to Twitter. No, no t- taking pictures or tweeting while riding. Okay. No, that's that's dangerous. But um, in the meantime, though, we have a, a a podcast to do here, and today we're going to do the movie uh, Maze Runner from 2014. And always, we'll start with our synopsis. Thomas awakens. Uh, uh, Thomas wakes up in an elevator, remembering nothing but his own name. He emerges into a world that is about uh, of about sixty teen boys who have learned to survive in a completely enclosed environment, subsisting on their own agriculture and supplies. A new boy arrives every thirty days. The original group has been in the glade for three years, trying to find a way to escape through the maze that surrounds their living space. They have begun to give up hope. Then a comatose girl arrives with a strange note, and their world begins to change. There are some great, fast-paced action scenes, particularly those involving the nightmarish grievers who plague, uh, who plague the boys. Now, uh, can I start by saying that this movie is wicked good? Yeah, you can. I was surprised. <laughs> I really hadn't heard about this. I think I'd seen the poster in the movie theater and went, oh, that looks kind of interesting, and then just never really heard anything about it, whatever. And it popped up on TV a couple weeks ago and watched it, and it was like, holy cow! And then I went to Barnes & Noble, and of course I was in the science fiction section, and looking at all the box sets of, oh, Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings and The Maze Runner, and like, what? (laughs) So um, it, it was this phenomenon going on that I had no idea. Well, you see, I had saw, and I don't remember when or where, but this brief blurb on TV um, for, um, you know, how they have their previews or coming attractions or whatever, and they were talking about the making of this movie, and I kind of, I do remember that, but that was the last I remember, and then you got, uh, you brought it up last week, and at the school, I've, I when I'm cleaning the English room, I looked down one day after we had said we were going to do this movie, and I uh, saw the book uh, in the shelf there on, in the English teacher's uh, book rack there, and so you know I'm aware it's a youth uh, fiction yep. uh, or a young adult fiction book, sort of um, Hunger Games like. I'm not going to com- necessarily compare the two, uh, but there's certain elements from both. Um, Let's see. I think somebody in one of the things I read kind of uh, described it as, I think Hunger Games uh, meets Lost or something like that. Where Hunger Games meets Lord of the Flies. Yeah, that's it. Um, or no, it was Lord, Lord of the Flies meets Lost. I think is the way they uh, described okay. it. Where you, where you have all these boys, you know, teen teen boys trying to establish some sort of a, uh, you know, trying to govern themselves and you know uh, take care of themselves. But there's that Lost element where you're not entirely sure. What's going on here? You have this. I mean, you're like the 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 first the very first scene opens with uh, Thomas, the main character, riding this elevator, 
having uh, kind of going in and out of consciousness and having these brief glimpses of something along the way. He's not quite sure. And so, I mean, we're just as disoriented as they are. He wakes up in this world, and you, know, you have to un- learn what the world is about, where it's these teenage boys living inside this glade surrounded by four huge walls. And as this story you know, progresses, you learn that there's a, it's a maze out there, right. and they're kind of trapped in there. And the maze opens up during the day. You can go in there and explore, but if you're trapped in there at night, you're probably never going to get out. Well, no one has gotten out up to this point. Right. Yeah, and, and it, it harkens back to Harry Potter and, and the Goblet of Fire with the maze, but that was a hedge. And so uh, it was, you know, kind of living it and would grow and, and, and change and, you know, corridors would collapse and they would move and whatever. That happens in Maze Runner as well, but it is not, by no means a organic maze. It is metal, um, hard, you know, cold steel or whatever it's built out of. Um, so, it, you know, while it's similar, it's different. The, um, and the, the, I never quite, well, there's a couple things. Um, first, it is a trilogy. Maze Runner is the first book. Uh, the Scorch Trials is the second book. And that's coming out as a movie in, like, what, two or three weeks here? I think it's, like, September 18th. Um, and then there's a third book called The Death Cure. So, you know, be prepared for that one. Um, so there's this bigger picture going on. And the other thing that that I have to mention with this too, uh, your synopsis mentioned, and I think is an, an accurate guess that there's um, around sixty boys in this glade, but they only get one boy a month, and they've been there three years. And math just evades some people, doesn't it? You know, um, so I don't know if they they had thirty of them there when they started or what, but uh, um, yeah, that just it, it was the kind of thing where it didn't really bother me, except it was always at the back of my mind going, that's not right. You know, so minor yep. detail. We're, we're nerds, so this I know. somebody would notice that. So. Yeah, so I, who knows? Maybe, like I say, maybe there were 30 of them there to begin. Although they do mention that the one, Albie, was there first you know, right. by himself. Um, he was there a, for he was there alone for the first 30 days. So, right. Uh, and they never said anything about multiples, so yeah, the, somebody yeah. probably didn't do the math. You'd have to be there five years to get sixty boys in, in there. So, you know, or pushing that. So it's, uh, it's a thing. But anyway, back the the maze itself, though, too. Th- it seems like they had jobs. Everybody in the glade, they had you know developed some sort of I won't call it an economic system, but a society. Um, where certain boys had certain jobs, and the the some of the elites were known as maze runners, and so they would go out every day and run through the maze. And all I can figure is that they were attempting to map it. Um, it wasn't like there were any resources to be gathered in the maze. There was a hell of a lot of danger out in the maze, um, and so the only purpose of of these maze runners was to map it. Well, as we find out, they actually had mapped the entire maze. Um, and so, it, you know, the, the whole reason that exists is so that you can get out. Well, when they finally come to the, you know, you know, fish or cut bait or fish decision, 
there's a faction of them that says, you know, we kind of like it here. We just want to stay. You know, <laughs> we don't want to get out. And I'm like, wow, you you spent the last I don't know how at least three years we'll say um, setting up this society, trying to survive, and and then you know the highest purpose is to find a way through the maze. And when you finally do, you're like, oh well, never mind. So you know, I suppose that's kind of typical almost, but it's always like, what? <laughs> you know. Well, uh, have you read the books? I have not. Neither have I, but reading the synopsis, um, you know, books are ne- uh, movies are never ex- going to be exactly like the movies, and I kind of get the feeling that that um, uh, galley, just reading the synopsis, um, was not necessarily a plant, but his role in the book is a little different than it was in the uh, in the movie. They kind of he still ends up killing somebody in the book, but it's the, the circumstances are a little bit different. There. So you kind of almost get the feeling that maybe he was kind of a plant uh, in there. Not not necessarily a plant. He doesn't remember anything better than anyone else. But you kind of get the feeling that they've been kind of selected for various reasons definitely you definitely get the impression that each boy is there to serve a purpose um some are and you have a variety you have everything from strong big you know junior men to you know the weak little nerd that you know if he had the opportunity would have had fistful of chocolate bars and and um you know a tissue tucked in his pocket, you know, I don't know. Um, so th- there there certainly was a variety of the types of boys. They weren't all like Navy SEAL recruits um, so that you could set up that society. There were different strengths. You know, some were good at farming, some were good at building, some were good at running the maze. Um, so it's interesting, though, too, they had set up a bunch of rules. And um, we didn't hear a lot of them. I think we heard three. Um, but it also built a jail. It's like, wow, you got 60 kids in a glade and you got to build a jail. Um, okay. So. Well, 60 teenage boys. You remember your you teenage mean, years, right? Yeah, but teenage years wouldn't have built a jail. I mean. They probably would have taken them out back and beat them. That's close. right. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily need a jail for that. You're, you're, where are you going? You can't escape. You can't run. Um, so short of them being an absolute you know, threat to kill somebody in their sleep, um, you wouldn't have to really... Re- I mean, just shunning people for a week or something would have been enough punishment for a lot of people, you know, refuse them food, refuse them human contact. Anyway, so it was just curious to me that they had built a jail. Um, well, you know, I think it was more like um, it was a, a deterrent to uh, just kind of make sure that they behaved themselves. Well, and I wasn't, I wasn't sure um, from the movie either whether that jail got much use. I, was, I mean... what. I got the feeling that it was a little bit, but uh, yeah, I'm not entirely sure what was going on there. Yeah, I'm not either. It's like, wow, we get 60 boys in three years, and 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 okay, I spent enough time with Boy Scouts to know that. Yeah, okay, that's possible. Yeah, that would that would work. Yeah, I guess they mm-hmm. do that. Now that I think about it. But you know, like I say, you uh, 
you realize early on that this seems like some sort of an experiment. You're just not entirely sure what it is. Right, and it, it, it that's that's very true. You know that this is definitely a, an orchestrated environment, and the question is, to what purpose? And actually, at the end of the movie, you're still asking that question. <laughs> you get no satisfaction from that. Well, yeah, because uh, try and jump ahead to the end. Um, um, there's um, they, t- they talk about the Earth being uh, ravaged by um, a solar flare, and that that um, it caused a brain sickness uh, called what the sc- uh, the scorched what was the name of it? I don't remember. Basically, it was the zombie apocalypse, but only a few people survived, and these kids apparently have like the oh cure the anecdote the genes that allowed them to survive or they're they're immune to it yeah um you know it's called the flare the flare there you go um and so you know it it it, they were ostensibly put there to well because they were i guess this was a um iq experiment i guess to, to see if their brains were really you know, immune to it, and I guess that's why they got stung from time to time in there. They must have been injected with that to see, with that that toxin to see how they react to it. I, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't actually. At the end of the movie, I have no idea why they were put through the t- the trials that they were put through. Um, it's it's a question that exists that I don't think really gets answered by the end of the first movie. Well, then you see there's some sort of duplicity going on there, too, because they watch this video message uh, explaining why they're there, and you see uh, these armed guys coming in and killing people, and then just before they break into the the lady scientist who's doing the talking, um, just before they break in, she takes a gun to her head and supposedly commits suicide, but at the very last scene of the movie, you see that they are all standing around there talking about Phase 2, which sounds horribly ominous. Right, which is the next upcoming movie called Scorch Trials, yeah. Which, again, this whole thing is orchestrated, and, and what's... Spoiler! Um, uh, the, what you find out towards the end of the movie uh, it's a question at the beginning and you kind of get a little bit of an answer at the end is that basically there are people observing these kids in this environment and in this maze and they have essentially put these kids in this experiment um, and they may have experimented on the kids medically physically something before putting them in this essentially psychological and physical test of the maze and the glen um, so there is this whole another layer of something else is going on, as opposed to just what these boys are dealing with in this glen, um, and you don't really get a clear picture of it because about the time you think you know what's happening, like you say, the the lady commits suicide, and then five minutes later you see her talking to her committee again. So they're still manipulating the kids. Which kind of brings uh, the whole this whole scorched earth thing into question. Is that really true, or is this just something else they have made up? Um, you know, like any good movie that uh, intends to make a sequel, there's enough unanswered questions there that you are kind of wondering what's going on. So, is uh, are they telling the truth about this whole scorched earth thing, or is there something else going on? 
Yeah, I had to tell you, when I uh, saw the books at Barnes & Noble, I had a hard time not buying them. And the only reason I did is because I got two more Hyperion books and three more Rama books to go through first. Yeah, you and me both. So, <laughs> so it's like I know I'm not buying any more books until I catch up, which means I need to read. But um, plus less freedom. I've been reading Freedom, the, the sequel to to oh Demon. yeah! It's like oh man. So the the problem with this podcast is you you read we talk about the the first one in the series and that makes the the rest of them imperative because usually they're good enough you want to know what the rest of the story. But yeah, the, I would be curious to read these books. Um, I I got to imagine as I see and somebody I used to be of the opinion that I like to read the book first and then watch the movie at, at a distance. You know like. Six months later, um, somebody said something recently that's got me to change my mind. I, I, they said that, you know, the movies are never as good as the book, and movies are always shorter than the book. So if you sit through the movie and you like it, then it's you know then you can get more. You want more. You you know you all, you want to stay in that world. And it says and that's when you can go to the book and you know it fleshes it out. And it it takes longer. I can't read a book in two hours. Um, so I'm like. Hmm, that's a very good point. So you know, now having seen the movie Maze Runner, I'm I, it's it is on my list to go back and read these books. But I'll probably watch Scorch Trials before I get a chance to do that too. Yeah, if I decide, I mean, it's coming to the movie theaters now. Usually, I wait for movies to come uh, on streaming because we live far enough away from any movie theater. It's a good, you know, uh, almost hour drive to get anywhere to watch a movie. So uh, it's got to be a movie we want to want to watch. So, uh, but yeah, I am now tempted to go watch the other movie. Maybe t- make the effort to go to the movie theater and actually watch it, just so I kind of satisfy my. Um, uh, interest in what's going on here. Yeah, and I'm actually kind of glad I didn't discover this movie until just shortly before the second one was coming out. Um, yeah, less time to sit there and ruminate. Yeah, or forget. You know. Yeah, that too. Yeah, forget all the stuff that happened. So, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, the tech in this thing. First off, the kid. The, there's this elevator, and it is an industrial elevator. Um, you know, think wire cage, wire mesh cage with bottomless pit. That you know you wake up in, and suddenly it's like a. Um, uh, they have them in cities where the elevators open up on the sidewalk. You know how the the doors oh, yeah. flap open. For- it's pretty much like that. And so you know that's your first memory is is going. So that elevator itself is a bit of technology. So there's something underneath the glen and the maze. Um, it is a you know layered thing. Um, and the, the idea that the elevator only comes up once a month, there's usually a boy in it with supplies for the kids, although it doesn't give them everything they need. Um, it doesn't provide them with 30 days' worth of food and clothing and, you know, DVDs. Um, it basically sends up, I don't even know what it sent up. I didn't catch the supplies. I'm going to think shovels, uh, maybe some rope, that kind of stuff, because these kids are doing their own farming. Uh, they're building essentially huts. Uh, lash together type of stuff. So, um, but that that's that piece of technology is kind of interesting choice. That you know, once a month you get this care package to you know kind of not leave you completely without resources in trying to survive. And then of course there's the technology of the maze, which 
it's huge. Can I just say that? I mean, if they if somebody built the maze as an experiment to test a bunch of kids on their I don't know what intellect, physical ability, whatever you know the the tests really are. Um, this thing is freaking huge. It's the walls and cells are what forty, sixty feet high, maybe. Um, oh yeah. Thick as as a house. Um, moving parts goes back for what appears to be. Well, I won't say it's a mile deep, but I got the impression it was a good. Well, I would say I think. Well, to do a little extrapolating, I think the glade itself was about twenty acres. Uh, I think I maybe read that in the synopsis somewhere. So, and it looked to be about uh, eight times bigger. I mean, you know, floor sides. So, so we're probably talking around two hundred acres. Well, a quarter of land is one hundred and sixty acres, so that's a quarter mile by a quarter mile. Okay. Quarter mile by quarter mile. So the quarter mile thing, yeah, and and. The glade is in the center of the maze, of course, and it, it, it did appear to be round. Um, but the whole building of that is like, what? I mean, just the resources and time and, and whatever. I mean, this, this is not a natural thing. This is not magic like in Harry Potter where the magic hedge maze comes and goes and does whatever. Um, so the, the, the technology of the maze is kind of incredible. Um, Plus, the, we haven't talked much about the grievers, and the grievers are probably the biggest chunk of technology that we bump into because, again, these kids are living in a glade with su- sustenance, you know, survival type of, of resources. But the grievers, which I find interesting because um, we've got grievers in um, Firefly, um, which they've shortened to reavers, but um, they are. Cyborg? Well, I, what would you call them? They're both biomechanical well, monsters. Well, I was going to say it harkens back to the book that we did um, uh, last week, which, of course, now it just escaped my mind. Uh, what? what, Rama, uh, what else? Rama. Rama. There we go. Yeah, uh, the biots. Yeah. Uh, Look, part mechanical, part uh, biological, because the, the head on those things, you know, it looked like some, you know, uh, Spider designed uh, while you're either horribly drunk or taking acid, yeah. Um, because they're 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 flesh flesh they have flesh on the head, but the body is mechanical and it has um, solenoids and switches and stuff in it, which turns out to be one of the clues that they use to find their way out. So it looks like a mixture. You know, you don't know to what extent. Is this another, you know, mad, <clears throat> mad experiment like the maze? Hey, let's see if we can glop flesh and and uh, mechanics together and, and kind of see what we can cook up. Um, and, you know, to what end? You know, in the maze, all they do is attack, sting, and kill people. Um, you don't really see their other use because, uh, you know, the maze rearranges itself at night, but it's, well, we did see in that one scene that it was rearranging itself. It didn't appear to need any help. So you don't know to what beyond just torturing kids what the purpose of these grievers are yeah and for all we know that is their purpose is to torture kids um that's the impression i got that was their purpose um and so again to me the maze is this huge effort to put these kids through some experiment that somebody has designed 
and we don't know to what end or or who even is is doing this or how these kids were chosen and to 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 a large extent they are all boys except for the last person who comes up in the elevator is a girl and suddenly there's also a note with her that says this is the last one we'll ever send um so it's like all of a sudden things are changing. The rules changed there. Um, and so well, that's and what kind of... Yeah, then she when she wakes up, she looks at uh, Thomas and calls him by name, and nobody ever remembers their names uh, or remembers much of anything when they first come there. It takes them a day or two for what little they are allowed to remember to come back to them. But she looks up at him and calls him Thomas. So then all of a sudden, there's this kind of... Uh, seed of uncertainty planted there. What does she know? What's her purpose here? You know, what's going on here? And then come to find out as the story progresses a little bit, they did know each other and they seemed to think that they were on the the side observing these people or participating in whatever they are doing with these kids and now suddenly they're put in this position. So you're not entirely sure, you know, what is going on. And when you have uh, the organization is called Wicked right. um, which is uh, stands for World and Catastrophe Kill Zone uh, Experiment Depart- uh, Department. This, you know, uh, wicked sounds like this may not be a good thing. Right, but there are slogans and and jingles. Maybe this the word for wicked is good. Um, so it's like, yeah, no, maybe I don't know. Well, the way they do it, everything is called into question. Because, like I say, when you hear "wicked," well, you think "mean," but uh, and they're not exactly acting in the most um, saintly of ways. Uh, but you're not entirely sure what is going on. Is there a bigger purpose that's going on behind here? Um, you know, if you accept the fact, and you know, I'm not sure that the person should that the world is, uh, you know, in this big uh, catastrophe caused by a solar flare. Then what they're trying to do is find people who are immune to this uh, the the flare, I guess, and then I guess start a breeding program. Oh, it doesn't do sound like. Know. The- yeah, that sounds like they're looking for a cure. Well, that um, would be stupid if they're doing a breeding program because you've got the ratio backwards. You need like one right. guy and sixty women. You well, know. this is true. <laughs> you know, so it's uh, yeah, it's um, I don't know. It, we, we don't know. By the end of Maze Runner, you don't know what the hell is going on. You have no idea. Um, so I, again, I'm look very much looking forward to episode two or the second movie, um, and and I expect the same will happen there where you'll get done with it and go. I still don't know what's going on. I thought I had it figured out, but no. And so you know, trilogies being trilogies, it'll be the end of the third one where finally it all makes sense, which is well, like ho- quick read the book. Well, you hope it does because, like I say, there was that description of. Um, Lord of the Flies meets Lost. Well, you know, by the time we were done watching Lost, we never did exactly have a good answer. I hope this one uh, cleans up a little nicer at the end so that we do have some explanation of things. Right, yeah. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a very intriguing... It, it, this, it, this movie, to some extent, the movie, uh, I don't know about the book, but the movie does feel like a setup. When you get done with it, it's like, oh, that was awesome, and that was all backstory for the second movie. You know, it was just we've set the scene, we've got got a little bit of the background going here, so we can you know continue on with the story. Maze Runner itself, 
is not a complete story by any means. Um, you can't just watch Maze Runner. We'll put it that way. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just kind of like, um, well, it's kind of like Hyperion. You just can't read the first book, or else you know you're left with a lot of questions. That's why you know both you and I, you know, sorry, Jeff, you know, you couldn't make it through that book. But <laughs> <laughs> that's why the both of us, because uh, there's the two parts to that uh two books to that we had to go and read the second book even though that wasn't exactly what we were doing for the podcast we just had to go through and read the second one so that things made more sense by the time we were done with it yeah man jeff was dead on right the first book of of hyperion is is awful It, it is nothing but backstory and it does seem to go on forever um but that's how much backstory is required for the incredible second half of the story, so I mean, it's it's kind of kind of brutal, um, you know, the amount of work you have to go through. But the the amount of work you have to go through is you get payoff in the end on that one. And I think we will with Maze Runner as well. I get the impression that we will definitely get payoff on this one. Um, and it, this isn't this isn't near as much work as Hyperion. This backstory is not, at least the m- movie. I don't know about the book. If that, I can't imagine a young adult book being tedious, but um, it, it you really do the the characters are young adult type of characters. They're not very in depth, and they're kind of these stereotypes and tropes rolled into a one person type of thing, um, but. That's okay. That works. Um, I don't have a problem with that. We don't need incredible, huge, complex characters to to carry this story. Uh, The most complex character, of course, is Thomas, the lead character. Um, And that, I think, will just continue to develop as uh, the story goes along, too. So um, I got no problem with, with how that was dealt with. Well, and you know, actually, and I'm not trying to denigrate teenagers here, but a lot of them are not very deep or you know too well they're still you know figuring out their place in life now it seems like these kids have had a you know a tougher life than most uh so there is you know a little bit more going on behind the scenes but um you know most kids are still they don't know what they're doing let alone what's going on uh in the world around them so i think this is the perfect match for this yeah plus you know i could argue i like i like young adult books because they don't go into huge deep character development tell me the story get to the action you know what the heck's going on who's going to get killed next blow something up you know so i you know that's fun because that's the that's the level it's at that's i well it's like walking into a disney movie you know what you're going to get you take a young adult book and you kind of know what you're going to get well, yeah, and it is a young adult book um, because they do push the boundaries. This and Hunger Games and a few others that I've seen, you know, as far as the the killing and you know, kind of the, some of the psychological things going on, there is you know certainly an adult um, part to these stories, but there is kept so it's not horribly horrific. Although the Hunger Games really, I think, kind of pushes that envelope, and this one here to a certain extent too, about you know people dying and. Yep. Uh, kind of the senselessness of it sometimes right yeah well spoiler um we met we've been talking about there being 60 boys in this clan by the end of the movie i think we're down to six so um you know it's yeah it's not like um well heck even disney movies can get scary at times but well, yeah. you know, it, it's not a feel-good type of show by any means. No. Well, yeah, and here's the spoiler: Bambi's mother dies at the end. So oh, you know, Disney isn't exactly. Really? 
I'm sorry I ruined that for you, Julie. So uh, it's only been out what sixty years now, longer than we've been alive. So probably. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, it's. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out what exactly makes this book intriguing because you could argue that it's it's full of trope book movie. I didn't, haven't read the book yet, um, because I think maybe it's the mystery of it. Because the characters, like we were just saying, the characters are not all that intriguing. I mean, there you got your bully and you got your nerd and you got your you know snotty nosed fat kid, I suppose, and um, the 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 tough leader dude and the fighter and you know you, you got all the the stereotypes and the story of survival of a group of boys has been done a billion times um so that's not all that intriguing i mean it's like i go back to the movie castaway with tom hanks i mean by definition the name of the movie tells you the plot the story everything you need to know it's castaway Guy's going to get stranded on an island. He's going to get rescued. Okay, but we're going to watch him, you know, lose his mind in the in the meantime. That doesn't make the movie any less good. Um, so I think the same is true with Maze Runner. The fact that you kind of have this familiar thing about a group of boys trying to survive on their own with all these stereotype things doesn't make it any any doesn't but by definition make it bad. And I think this whole intrigue about what is the maze, and then when you start to figure out what the maze is I mean halfway through the show you know it's more than just these huge walls that you know these small openings open up once a, you know during the day that you can go in and explore um, when you realize that the maze is a test and you realize that there's something else going on and then that you know something's going to happen and then these grievers you know, for the first time ever, a maze runner survives overnight in the maze, um, and somebody actually kills a griever. So obviously, the status quo is now upset. Um, that I think that's what makes the story kind of intriguing, as far as okay, um, why? I think it's the whole why. What the hell's going on that makes this a good show? Well, that and the fact that, you know, you kind of mentioned character development, and by the end, some of them were starting to get it. But, you know, you, the way you described them, I mean, I'm a high school custodian. I see these kids, you know. You, like, <laughs> Good point. Yeah, I see all these kids. And the thing is, though, I've been there long enough. I've seen some of these kids when they, you know, uh, maybe first started school. And now I see them uh, like 11 years later, some of them graduated. You see how they've changed and matured. And that's maybe what I'm kind of hoping to see in here, that as these go along, some of these characters, you know, you kind of, like I say, you start with the stereotype, which in this case is sort of like Play-Doh. What do you do with these people? How do you uh, change them? I mean, you know, even, you, you know, you talked about the big fat nerdy kid. Again, another spoiler here, people. You know, he dies, uh, you know, um, sacrificing himself to save Thomas. Well, you know, that's a bit of character development there. And, you know, these kids have all seen that and they're all witnessed it and they're going to change as they, uh, you know, go through these things. And I just look uh, interested. And, you know, they have these um, these secrets that's hidden beneath the surface that you're not entirely sure what's going on there. So I'm interested to see, uh, you know, I hope that they take it in the direction of explaining the mystery that's going on, but also to see some of these kids... Uh, you know, grow and change and develop and what comes out. And, you know, like you would a teenager as they grow, you want to see, you know, you see uh, see the potential there when you look at them. You want to know how, if you're right, how it turns out, uh, if they live up to your expectations, if they're horribly disappointing or something along that line. Okay, since you already spoiled it, 
Um, the right. whole thing with, with Chuck um, getting killed and Thomas wailing about it, I'm like, okay, that to me was, that was the one scene in the movie where this is completely overdone. Because at that point, Thomas had only been in the maze, or in the group of boys, for three days. And sure, Blake was his best friend at that point, but still, you don't become, like, gut-wrenchingly attached to somebody within three days to, like... I mean, it, it was... That just, I mean, again, the math. It was the math part. There was nothing <laughs> wrong with the story. There was nothing wrong with the relationship. It was just when he sat down and looked at the math. It's like, okay, wait, wait a minute. The guy's been there three days so far. What? Um, so. Well, I might argue, though, that um, part of it is kind of the survival instinct where, uh, you know, well, on one hand, yeah, you don't want to become too attached because something could possibly happen. Although this, there was a fair up to this point, it was a fairly stable group of boys, and you know, except for the ones that was killed by the grievers in the maze, not too many people were lost. Um, but on the other hand, is though you you kind of have to learn uh, if you're going to survive, you have to trust one another, work with one another, and form you know uh, bonds fairly quickly so that you can like I say, trust these people or know that you trust these people because, you know, your life may actually depend upon it. If you're in a uh, situation where, you know, you have to depend upon this other person to save your life, you want to know that you can trust them. So I think, um, and like I said, we didn't see everything that uh, transpired over those last three days, but, you you know, it feels like they they figured out, you know, rightly or wrongly, because at this point we still, you know, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but we, you've seen some strong bonds form, I think, because of the survival part of this. And it's going to be interesting now to see how that plays out. Was your instincts, because a lot of this is just instinct. You have to, you know, I, I think this boy seems to have what it takes. I think I can trust him, depend upon him. Right. And going forward, it's going to be interesting to see. Are your assumptions right, or have you been, you know, hoodwinked the whole time? Right. And the flip side of that too is that there is the you do get the impression that Thomas and Teresa um, have the fact that Thomas was so uh, busted up with when Chuck died might have been because he actually had known him longer than that. He had been watching from the beginning, type of possibly. Thing. So right. yeah, that that was the only thing when I watched that all go down. It's like okay. Again, the math here doesn't make sense. There's something else going on that we don't know yet. So, to the, at least that went through my mind. Um, so, whether it's just because I don't, um, I you know, like I say, I was looking at the math with three days gone. Okay, three days in a in what essentially was a hostile environment for Thomas the entire time. You're not going to get attached to anybody. You know, um, even the the one guy who came and you know gave you some food while you're in jail, um, and you know spend a, a good deal of your time getting uh, acquainted. Maybe yeah, whatever. It was just one scene, but anyway, it was it uh, it was the one thing that that I did notice. It was like, huh. It kind of led me again to believe that there's something else going on here that we don't know yet. So. Yeah, there's um, a lot of a lot of unanswered questions, I guess, with the with the maze. Um, well, yeah, you know, as you mentioned that, not to you know, to spoil the death scene even more, he had that uh, little toy in his hand mm -hmm. that 
he gave the Thomas to one to make sure that he got got it back to his parents. And so he seems well the only he was the only one that was mentioned that had any sort of personal memento from his previous life or you know even um you know, he doesn't remember his parents but you know he knows that he has parents. Uh, so yeah, like I say, there's a lot of tantalizing little, and I I really hope you know at this point they have uh, some the mixture for a good movie here. And like I said, I haven't read the book, so maybe it, it does play out well in the books. And if they're making a movie, hopefully you know. But movies can spoil books too. But I hope they take all these raw ingredients and gives us a nice, satisfying you know story along the way. Yeah. No, I I I think that. Uh, um rule of thumb about watch the movie then read the books is really going to play true with this particular set because the the movies do leave a lot of unanswered questions and I'm going to guess the books do as well um, that that's why it's a trilogy so even though the, the book probably has a lot more answers about what went on during the Maze Runner portion of it it still doesn't answer the big questions about what the hell is going on here um, so um, yeah I got to figure out how to read these books soon. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm a personal favorite of audiobooks because my job doesn't require me to have to do a lot of thinking when I'm actually there. So um, audiobooks are a good thing. They get a tad expensive. But for me, that's a good way to do things. Yeah, and I've got the opposite problem. My work means I'm always focused and I can't, I often yep. don't even listen to music. So, And I used to have a lot of commute time and I don't have that anymore. So I have a hard time getting that type of, of stuff done so yeah we'll just have to read the books but mm. yeah if you haven't seen this movie cannot recommend it enough it is good it's not um, you know stand up out of your seat and cheer for everybody type of good but you will not regret the couple of hours it takes to watch it that's for sure well that you know that kind of sounds like our synopsis for it so now was there any tech in this movie? You know, that's the question we always ask. Is there any tech in there that you know you wanted? Or uh, I could take an elevator that brings me s- <laughs> stuff every month, and you know, just gives me things to live off of. And then you would have no excuse to leave your house. I know. <laughs> I could mm. live in a glen. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. As long as the glen has internet access, yeah. As long as they don't send the grievers, it, yeah, that's it. It's got to have internet access. Okay. Other than that, I don't care. And electricity. Okay. All right. Oh, the maze might be kind of interesting. I've, uh, uh, you know, kind of done a maze or two, and I find them kind of interesting. You know, you know, I don't know about one with killing creatures in there that sinisterly rearranges itself every night. That might get a little uh, spooky, but um, yeah, that rearranging was kind of interesting too. The way those segments would turn and create new corridors or close people off from each other or whatever. So yeah. That's a, that is a true technology. The maze itself is a bit of technology. Well, they even had sections of floors that would uh, uh, rise up and uh, rearrange themselves, too. So, yeah, there's some underlying tech there that we don't know uh, what's going on there. Yep. Well, let's see. I think that kind of you know wraps up uh, uh, the, the Maze Runner. So, like I said, I think... We're all waiting for the movie to come out, and you know, uh, I think we both recommend for that. It's a good movie for people to go out and see. So um, that wraps up this episode of Sci-Fi Tech Talk. 
You can check us out at scifitechtalk.com, where there's uh, plenty of cool space junk available for purchase. Or follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Tech Talk. If you have any ideas or comments, please send them to scifitechtalk at gmail.com. And reviews on iTunes are always welcome. Julie, where can people find you? I can be found on Twitter at Julie Keel, J-U-L-I-E-K-U-E-H-L. And links to the other blogs, podcasts, and whatever else I've got going on can be found at about.me slash Julie Keel. Um, yeah, and I can be found on Twitter at DSC Chipman, or I have my about.me page at about.me slash Mike McPeak. That's M-C-P-E-E-K. That's it for this show, and we'll see you in the future. Question matter. Question matter. Question matter. Yes, the sci-fi text. Question matter.